I'm Andrea Collins. And I'm Shelly Zorn. This is Let's Talk Thomasville, a podcast about storytelling through perspectives of the past, our value of today, and our imagination for tomorrow. Hey guys, we are excited to introduce our guest today, and um, most of you who are listening to the podcast have probably tasted a little bit of this family's cuisine. It's cheese, so I'll give you one guess on who you think we might be talking to today, and you're probably guessing right. It's Sweetgrass Dairy, and we are excited to have you on board to talk with us, Jessica Little. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We are excited to have you here. I know Shelly and I have had the pleasure of really sitting down and talking to you and understanding more about how you got to where you are today, but there are so many people who may have an idea for a business or may just want to know a little bit more about how Sweetgrass Dairy, you know, has grown to where it is in downtown Thomasville. So um, I'm going to popcorn it over to Shelly, and if you want to go ahead and start with your very first question. Sure. So first I want to say I had a group of project managers here last December from Atlanta, And so as they're coming into town from the last community, they were like, so what is Thomasville known for? And the people who were on the bus who knew Thomasville and been before, they were like, they're known for plantations and sweetgrass dairy cheese. (laughs) (laughs) So I always just say, you guys put us on the map. You really do. Those were the two things they knew, plantations and sweetgrass dairy cheese. cheese. I love it. I love it. So I've heard your story several times, but just kind of start from the beginning, how your family started this business and how you got into it, because you weren't, it was your parents first, right? That's correct. So I'm a second generation business owner here in Thomasville. Um, But yes, so uh, the quick version of it, which I'm sure you have heard so many times, is um, I grew up in Thomas County. My parents are, my dad is a fourth generation dairy farmer, um, and they have three farms in Brooks County. And I grew up with cows, around cows, and loved sustainable agriculture and humane animal husbandry, but did not want to be a dairy farmer. So did not <laughs> think I was going to live wow. in wow. South Georgia. Just seemed... It is just so much work. And after spending <laughs> every work summer yeah. and yes, and showing cows and, and you know, cows have to be milked every single day of the year. You don't you know get a vacation you don't get from a vacation. that. It's just yep. a lot of work. Um so I went to college and um met my now husband working in restaurants and fell in love with food. And in the same time that I was pursuing a business degree um, in Atlanta, my mom was also making cheese at home. And out of all the dairy products, uh, cheese was the most exciting to her because it was the most scientific and artistic. It actually predates written history. It's an ancient food stuff. Really? And um, oh. you only need four ingredients, and you can make hundreds of different styles of cheese. Oh, that's so, a fun fact. Yes. <laughs> and so um, and in the South, we don't have a long history of cheese making because we didn't have caves or any way of, of refrigerating cheese before right. uh, coolers. So we don't have a long tradition of cheese. And we all, I mean, my brothers and I kind of thought she was a little crazy, but my mom is quite a visionary. So we were like, oh, that's just mom. She's just making cheese in the kitchen, whatever. <laughs> and then she um, started sending some up to me in Atlanta to take around to different chefs since I worked in, a, in restaurants. And I knew when to go and talk to chefs and, you know, and who was who. And they were so excited. And it wasn't the fact that the cheese was really that great because we were just starting, but it was somebody locally making cheese. A local and source. It's a local source yeah. of this really high quality milk 
that told the story of regional agriculture. What are the odds that you grew up on a dairy farm, go off to college, fall in love with the restaurant industry, and then your mom starts making cheese and you have connections with chefs? That's all just... Well, you know, it's so funny that you say that because um, my mom at the University of Georgia had asked if they wanted uh, to do a feasibility study on this. And they were like, you probably shouldn't do it. It's probably not going to show that this is something (laughs) that you need to do. But, you know, I do think my mom had such a passion for um, and still does to this day of she believes everybody deserves good food or to at least know where their food comes from. And this idea of being able for so long, they just made milk and sold it to a co-op that was being processed for public. So it was mixed with everybody else's milk, but they were doing something so different. The way that they farm is this rotational grazing style. So less than 5% of all the cows in the country are farmed in the way that they farm and they're able to do it because of our climate and our access to water. So we sit on top of the Florida aquifer. So we have this really, really valuable milk that cannot be really produced very many places in the world the way that they can and do it. And they're using a lot more grass, correct? Uh, yes. So yeah. they have are they probably have over 2,000 acres now uh-huh. um, in southwest Georgia. Because other cows are, what, off corn? What they're they they're in corn and they're in confinement barns. So the way, you know, just like so many things American, like more, range, more, bigger, bigger, yeah. bigger. <laughs> so most cows live their lives in freestall or confinement barns, and they're fed a lot of grain to produce a lot of milk. So you need a lot of energy to be able to make all this milk and then dairy farmers are paid on volume so what your goal is to try to maximize the output of the cows well my parents method is so different they're actually trying to have the lowest inputs or costs that you possibly can so they might only have three employees on a farm of 500 cows wow um, because they're letting cows be cows they go out (laughs) they eat all of their own grass and they come up and get milk twice a day so if you have really low costs of expenses uh-huh. you don't have to make as much milk in order to afford all of that overhead so, so they're going for quality not quantity yes okay. and so my dad would say his biggest measure of success would be longevity of the cow you want them to live a long time in the system long, and not happy life well, healthy long and healthy lives uh-huh. um versus true um, happy cows yeah so <laughs> in a you know in a confinement system the cows on the typical lifespan is two to three lactation so two to three years after entering the milk herd that's where all of our fast food hamburger comes from. So my mom had this passion for humane animal husbandry, and she had this desire to show people where and how really good food is produced, and cheese was her vehicle. So it could have been yogurt, it could have been ice cream, it could have been butter, but she picked cheese. Yeah. And um, so we were the first creamery in Georgia. And um, so she had the business for one year. So we, the license was December of 2000 and I still have the little seal and Thomas County is so exciting uh, to be you know incorporated but um, so by December of 2001 Jeremy and I had gotten engaged and he is from Toledo Ohio and he loved the peacefulness of you know South Georgia we were mm-hmm. living in Atlanta and all the traffic and everything and he said you know this would be so wonderful he um has a degree in psychology but he was saving up money to go back to culinary school and he said this would look so good on my resume if we could just move to thomasville and make cheese for a couple of years and i was like oh, <laughs> living my best life in atlanta but okay sure we'll go, we'll move for a couple of years and i've also heard you yeah. tell the story before how you would come home i think during college yes. and other times and you'd almost be embarrassed because all these 
refrigerators are yes. out on the porch and stinky Mortified. cheese and Mortified. you're like oh yes. <laughs> yes and I was thinking you know Jeremy um again being from Ohio um did not grow up on a farm and here we would pull up to my parents' house and my mom had lined our porch with refrigerators. That's where she was aging cheeses as like test batches. And I thought to myself the first time, like, if he did not think I was the biggest redneck already, now he knows. It's like the cat is not must have been okay with it. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and it did. It smelled so bad. My brothers, so both my brothers were still in high school and they were like, please just take some of this cheese, just throw it away. We do not want it here. Mom's going to make us taste it. Um, oh, that just reminds me when I was a kid growing up, my mother was from Germany and she loved the stinkiest, mm, smelliest cheeses. And I would have company over on the weekends <laughs> and literally she would get this one cheese from the commissary. And literally, as soon as you open up the fridge, it could have been like in a foil, in another box, it's still in a bag, out. in a bag. It's still coming out. Oh, it radiated it's the entire like kid. Or That's exactly yeah, what it yeah. was. It was Limburger <laughs> cheese. And I was like, Mom, oh yeah. my gosh. And they're like, what is that yeah. smell? Yeah, yeah I can only imagine. You were embarrassed. Feet. And yes. you were embarrassed. Yeah, it smells like feet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yes. So, but after being here for a couple of years, our first son was born in 2003. Our second one was born in 2004. It, it was you home. guys weren't you guys weren't going no, no it was home and so my parents like to say they like to give opportunities and not handouts so the business was operating in the red it was it was not a profitable business and we had negative net worth we just had some student debt and a baby and another one on the way and we shopped around as many banks as we could get appointments with and um luckily for us thomasville national bank took a chance on to kids that had no idea what they were doing and um so we will forever be grateful to to tmb and um, we bought the creamery in 2005 so so 2005 and mm-hmm. we are in 2022 mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about from the time you bought it to where you are now oh gosh I, um, and also the if the listeners don't know you've gone from having this made on your farm mm-hmm. to having this new high state-of-the-art facility and that was a long journey for you guys you were very persistent to make that happen (laughs) we are yes we are we are not quitters yes you're not (laughs) um no so we uh, bought the the farm in 2005 and then uh by 2010 uh we were in new york city for the fancy food show so there was a lot of demand for our cheeses from the very beginning um in the northeast and out west because these cheesemongers and chefs were really excited about our milk quality and the way that we farm. It just makes Sweetgrass Dairy so unique. And mm-hmm. we won a lot of awards right in the beginning. And so there was a lot of demand, but not locally. So mm. we were traveling quite a lot and going to national food shows and sending most of the cheese to New York and, and Chicago and, and San Francisco. And I started feeling like I was getting so burned out because the phone would ring and the chefs would be so upset because we would either be sold out or the UPS, you, you know, the boxes got damaged in transit or, or lost or whatever it was. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, we're working so hard to make this cheese and we just can't make anybody happy. And so we were in New York and I was Jeremy and I were there. We were having a glass of wine and I said, you know, it'd just be so awesome if there was a place in Thomasville that we could go and have a great glass of wine and a cheese board and really just have a place that we could maybe even sell our cheese locally and get more involved in the community. And that was in July or the end of July, beginning of August. 
And in September, we had a lease at our first cheese shop. In October, we opened. Wow. And that was a really, that's really quick. <laughs> that was a quick turnaround. It was a very quick turnaround on a shoestring budget. And Jeremy thought that I was crazy. And we thought about it for years. And it was not <laughs> a good idea. But um, but we were on to something. I mean, it was busy. You know, uh-huh. from the beginning. In the beginning, we just had three little tables in the back. And it was mostly retail. And very quickly, we saw there were a lot of people that wanted to wanted have a what good you wanted. cheese board and a glass of wine and, and a, like a way to interact with the community. And it's so funny. I look back, and thankfully, it is such a gift to be naive and just not know <laughs> what you don't know. Because I, can, I am so mortified when I think about we didn't have an ice machine. Like, how did we serve water in tea and bottles with no ice in a restaurant? Like, what restaurant <laughs> owner does that? Yeah, I was like, well, the ice machine is really expensive. We can't afford it. You well, know, you I have to, love you have to that learn. story. You have yes. to learn. <laughs> yeah, I think those are the real stories, though. I mean, that's that's really that's the that's the grit of starting your own business, right? It's yeah. like you learn as you go. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, but being naive, you know, is also a good thing at times. Oh my gosh! Yeah, or else you would, I would you would never do it. Right, you would never do it. Yes. Yeah. So we we opened the original cheese shop in two thousand ten. But at the same time, our business, you know, the demand for wholesale and distribution was also growing. So by the end of 2013, beginning of 2014, we said, you know, we're going to need to build a new production facility. We need, you know, we're, we need a new plant. But it was such a monumental task because, number one, we didn't really know what kind of equipment we needed. <laughs> we didn't know what size we needed. We didn't know what we can afford. So we we did so many wrong things. Like, we started with going to the architect with designing like our dream plan. And then there was no way that we could afford that. And then we also decided to open a restaurant, like a full service restaurant and have a at the same time. At the same time with four little boys running around. You know, like it was just I look back and I'm like, God, I have made some really bad mistakes. But um, long story short, we had consolidated the restaurant and the cheese shop from one location downtown. We learned after a year that mm-hmm. it is not it was not good for us to cannibalize our own sales yeah. when you live in a county of this size. Right. And um, and then we needed to, to build the new production facility, but I knew that we needed to have some outside input and help. So I started doing the Georgia Mentor Protege Connection. I did the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program to write a growth accelerator strategy and then worked with the SBDC mm-hmm. and um, doing budgeting and then had a growth plan that we could figure out how much we could afford to spend, which then Jeremy had been doing all this research to figure out what equipment we were going to be able to Based find. on the budget. That, Based yeah. on the budget, which yeah. is what we should have done in the beginning. But, <laughs> um, it's know. okay to dream big. We, we do not have a problem dreaming big. Um, but it was really interesting because if you think about even though cheese is an ancient food stuff, it's written about, you know, in the Old Testament, um, that's not usually made in very humid areas. Uh, if yeah. you think about all the areas where cheese is made, it's very dry. I was yeah. thinking about that yeah. one at the beginning of our conversation when we just opened it up, when you were sharing that bit of fun fact. I did not even realize that it's one of the ancient foods. And I thought, hmm, well, it hasn't been ancient around here. And I know you said because of the caves, but... Yeah, we didn't have anything cool here for them to... Right, yeah. but most but of also, the equipment... The yeah, dry the Yeah, you, it doesn't love um, all the humidity. So you, when you have an aging, it's not like a refrigerator. You need high humidity, but you also need oxygen exchange. Mm. And so you're exchanging this outside air, and a lot of this equipment was not 
built for handling. So they were making the cheese time. in Italy and Israel and deserts. Yeah, and Greece, desert sort yes. of areas. Yeah, that makes sense. Spain. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a it so quite a big challenge. But he Jeremy has sourced equipment from Germany and Israel and France, of course, and. Um, Austria and so and our listeners know Jeremy your husband is really kind of the creative side yes. and you're more the business and marketing side is that correct, correct? Okay. yes so yes he does production more of the R&D and coming with cheese he also like really good at like maker, IT right? so he's he yes he's yeah. a cheese maker and he's really good at IT and yes I try to handle the business so do you get it? So do you get in there and start trying to play around with the cheeses to come up with like your own sort of style, or is that more him? No, that is him for All sure. All him. I we have so we have a new product development team and we consolidate ideas. So this could be what customers are asking us for, what we see trending on the market, um, or um, it could be even like what cocktail flavors are coming down the pipeline that we might want to do cheese pairings with Interesting. or whatever. And then he also has kind of, we call it the back shelf, like things that he's just tinkering with all the time. And then if those overlap, because we don't want him to be coming up with new cheeses in a vacuum because he might come up with something that I can't sell. Right. And then <laughs> I might ask him for something that our facility can't make. And so right. it's, you know, where that overlap is, is how we you know release that makes sense cheese. it does yeah. oh i gotta ask what's your favorite cheese <laughs> that we make or overall no just your favorite both. cheese i want to know yeah both. Both. yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> i want to know yours first and what's i want to Je- and i want to know jeremy's okay yeah. well um i will say like if i could only pick one cheese to eat every day for the rest of my life it would be comte which is an alpine style made in the french alps like around the mm. swiss border and it's amazing it's mm. very complex lots of layers of flavor you can use it in cooking um, or by itself and so is it like a like a buttery creamy or is it like a hard no it's a more firm cheese it's so a it's, firm uh, cheese okay uh, semi-firm it's aged in, in like a very large wheel and just delicious we we will not be able to make a comte here because one we don't live in alpine right, right. <laughs> like climate climate yeah. Uh, but two, our biggest challenge is the heat, and we it takes a very long time to age a cheese. Like this could be yeah. 18 months or 20 uh, months. And okay. so That's another we, fun fact. How long does it take to actually age a cheese? It depends on what kind of cheese you're making. Yeah. So <laughs> our longest one, well, on a regular basis, our longest one is Griffin that we hold for a minimum of four months. Um, but we do... Well, I've got two answers to my favorite sweet grass dairy cheese. One is Green Hill because it is the one that is paying for our children's college. <laughs> so we sell more Green Hill than anything else, and it's so special. It's named after my parents' first New Zealand rotational grazing farm in Brooks County. It's called Green Hill Dairy. So okay. I did the not cheese know that. is so special to me, and it's our most popular one. And outside of the South, if you ask a cheesemonger or a chef, what, you know, what cheese do you know from Sweetgrass Dairy? It's almost always Green Hill. Uh-huh. So... Um, and what kind of profile is the Green Hill for, for any listeners who've it's never softer. had it? Yes, yeah. it's okay. similar to a yeah. Brie. So it's a double cream cow's milk with a white bloomy rind. So very soft and creamy. And we're so fortunate. Blackberry Patch made a peach bourbon cardamom jam mm. to go specifically with I'm going to live here and go eat. So, <laughs> That's so good. I, know, I was gonna say we go should, straight to your cheese we shop. Should have brought, we should have brought we should have brought a charcuterie board yeah. on there while, while while we're doing the podcast. So that's Andrew's favorite. 
and I didn't even really know what that was about until I was friends with her, uh-huh. and um, she's the foodie in the group. It so. is, you know, growing up, my mom being mm-hmm. in Germany, I mean, our breakfast, so we would serve, I mean, like, we would just serve a variety of cheeses and meat. That's how they, breakfast. Yeah. yeah. So we would have, yeah. they used cutting boards. So my mom would use little mini cutting boards as our plates. And then we would have three different types of meats and like five different types of cheeses and some spreads. And that's just what I grew up on. But I did not, I mean, we didn't call it a charcuterie tray or yeah. Yeah. whatever board. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know. They just, I don't even know when they started to become popular. But when they did, I was like, oh, this is like, this is like my childhood, yeah. you know? You, you were already ahead of the curve. <laughs> she was ahead of the curve. Oh. She was ahead of the curve. So what's your other favorite So Jeremy cheese? does make a cheese um, once a year, like a couple batches a year, usually in March. And I love late spring or late, late, late winter, early spring grass. Okay. And um, he makes a cheese called Lovely. That is, it is inspired by kind of that Alpine style. And then we release it typically after Thanksgiving. And then when it's sold out, it's sold out. So okay. we only oh. offer it through like the cheese shop and e-commerce. And and, and that's one I haven't tried, but now I'm going to. Yes. So yeah. it's a very real basic. Limited. I like the green hill. No, no, not basic at all. And I'll tell you what else. I love the pimento and cheese. And I didn't eat pimento and cheese before I moved to Thomasville. I love it. Did not eat it. But yours is delicious. What about Jeremy? <laughs> what is his favorite? So, great question. He, and I think every cheesemaker, just like every beer maker, every winemaker, tastes something that just sparked so much curiosity and mm-hmm. joy that they had to know more about it. And for Jeremy, it's blue cheese. He okay. loves Roquefort and Stilton and Born oh. Down Bear and just very, um, really, I don't know that he's met a blue cheese that he doesn't like. So. <laughs> really? Okay, so he's the blue cheese he's guy. He's the blue cheese guy. Oh. So he loves, loves, loves Asher Blue. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. and how did you guys come up with the names? So I know Green Hill you shared, yes. but Asher Blue. Um, so Asher is our second son. Griffin is our third son. Our first son, we did have a cheese um, named after him, but a lot of people, actually some people here locally still remember, but for the first 10 years of Sweetgrass Dairy's uh, business, we actually milked and made goat cheese as well. So we had goats and cows Ah. until 2010. So his cheese was actually goat cheese. And then well, we sold the goats. We no longer made his cheese. And, um, You're going to have to make him in a cheese. I know, but he's very, very, very shy and introverted. He was uh, like, when we sold the goats, he was uh, seven. And he said, please don't make another cheese named after me. He was so embarrassed. <laughs> Meanwhile, Asher would like see his cheese on menus and would be gloating to his brothers like, I'm more popular than you are. So, <laughs> that is so fun. I love how you tie in all the family pieces yeah. into the business. Yeah. It's all baked in. It makes it so much more, I don't know, unique of a story, you know, it's like putting people behind the actual product. So, yes. so exciting. Yes. So I have a question on social media. Sometimes you guys will have, here's a tip, use this cheese to bake with this. And who's doing that? So uh, most of our recipes actually Jeremy has come up with. Okay. And, um, okay. and, which is really interesting because he's such a good cook and um but man you really lucked out right well i told my mom as a, as a like teenager that i was either going to marry a masseuse or a cook so <laughs> i guess i knew exactly what i was looking for but now he's an incredible cook and um he but not you know as far as like writing things down with the exact it was so much work for him so we have worked with different chefs that you know what are you serving or we'll taste something and we're like 
can we take that recipe and you know add it to our website? So just actually in the last two years, we um, got the the grant um, from the Williams Family Foundation to invest in more of our e-commerce sales during uh-huh. the pandemic. So we've really been trying to invest more in our website. We have an industry page and we also have uh, recipes and more usability because again, artisan cheese, not everybody knows what to do with it. Right. They want you to yeah. enjoy it, whether it's on a charcuterie board or in our recipe, whatever right. is yeah. what makes you the most happy. It's making me want to cook with it. Cause I guess, you know, that's one thing I haven't done is necessarily cook with it. You know, per se, it's more just, yeah. Had it at the restaurant. Yeah. Or bought it at Publix. Mm-hmm. I was so excited the first time we could buy it at Publix. Yeah. Yeah. Very my brother-in-law uh, lives in Dallas, and um, he and his partner were going out for dinner one night, and he sent me a screenshot, and he said, Thomasville's representing all the way over here in Dallas. Oh, wow. And I get screenshots all the time. I get project managers from Atlanta, and they're like, I'm at this restaurant, and look, <laughs> sweetgrass dairy cheese. I've indoctrinated all of them. <laughs> Thank you. So, I know we're getting close to wrapping up. Jessica, I'm curious, do you have any idea of what your your next venture yeah what do you see in the future for sweetgrass dairy well like Shelly said we uh built a new production facility we didn't officially move in like move everybody from the old facility to the new facility until may of 2021 so we we have just over a year under our belts and we're so excited um, still learning you Uh know our new equipment and i'm really really excited about the quality of the cheeses so we are, you know, one, we need to, you know, use more of our new facility and figure out how to pay for that. Um, grow there. Grow yeah. there. <laughs> um, but adding new cheeses to our lineup for so long, we were at max capacity and pushing that old facility so much. In fact, I've been interviewing uh, national sales manager candidates, and they, a lot of them uh, have known Sweetgrass Dairy for a long time. They've been buyers or you know cheesemongers in Denver San Francisco or Mm. Minneapolis and so I'm showing them the old facility and the new facility and they cannot believe that we were making cheese out of that old facility it was just you know kind of kept building onto it building onto it and now we ship all of our e-commerce out of there because that's grown so much over the last couple of years so I think you know really adding new cheeses to the lineup which is so exciting um and then really growing our e-commerce side of the business and my brother Clay is now the fifth generation dairy farmer to take over, and it's so exciting Aww, to how see. How incredible is that? that really that sweet. And um, and then really planning with him. What does it look like if any of our kids want to come back? Because now I have one in college and almost a second one and two more behind, and he's got kids. And so if they do want to come back, what does that look like? And I don't know that we've ever had those family conversations yeah. and, you know, um, the thoughts are there planning for yeah. the future, planning for the yeah. future. Cause you know, it's so funny. You blink and 20 years goes by. I don't think I'm old enough to be talking about a uh, secession planning, but here we are. I know. Right. <laughs> not, not that we're trying to get to the end of everything, but that is, I mean, that, that's another, that's another podcast for another day, succession planning yeah. for when you're in the midst of your business. I'm just super excited that, um, that A, you spent some time with us today and you're able to share a little bit of your story. There's still so much more to tell. And I know maybe the listeners, we might have to have you on for like episode two or something <laughs> like that, 2.0. Uh, but yeah, we're super excited to have Sweetgrass Dairy here and we're just appreciative that you shared your story. Mm-hmm. Can you um, tell the listeners if you had, if you, if you could tell yourself one thing when you first started, what would it be? If looking back. Well, I, I say this a lot actually to, I, I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship and just talking with 
young people or anybody that wants to start a business is to not be afraid to ask for help. I think I was so um, adamant that, you know, being the daughter of farmers and so resourceful and you're just going to work so hard that you're going to will it into action. But there's so many things, so many great resources out there, whether it's the SBDC or the Centers of Innovation or, you know, that not being afraid to ask for help and that we really do live in a community of makers. So especially if it's somebody that wants to start making or manufacturing anything, there are incredible resources here, Uh um, even in Thomasville. Um, And not being afraid to be vulnerable and, you know, share your stories and your challenges because there are so many people that are willing to give you great advice or connect you with great people. And, um, I think it, I would have felt less lonely. I think the first 10 years of business had I been a little bit less afraid. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Hmm. It's very good advice. Yeah, it is. Very good advice. And there's some incredible women entrepreneurs here. And especially if you are a mom, it, it can feel so overwhelming. So don't be afraid to even ask, like, not even business questions, but like, how do you balance? Right. You yeah. Know, right. Yeah. Raising children. And, you know, it doesn't even have to be, in my mind, the same business that you're in. No. Just to have that mentor or friend or whatever that can give you that advice and you can play off of them so absolutely well jessica thank you so much for being with us today and thank you for being in thomasville it oh. makes our life better <laughs> well thank you i'm so sorry i didn't bring a cheese board i'll have to do that well i'm time. leaving next right time. now <laughs> seriously it's friday afternoon <laughs> and, and i'm I, leaving right now to go get a cheese board <laughs> yeah so listeners stop by sweetgrass dairy and what is the address it is 123 South Broad. Yep, 123 South Broad Street. That's All right. right. Until next time, guys, thanks for joining.